What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. <laughs> oh. Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. Alright, how's it going everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one today. Little different, little different for the for my topic today with the uh, crazy side of uh, professional wrestling. It's going to be a little bit of a grab bag. I had, you know, because if you've been listening to the show, me and Harris basically have gone and made lists. Like, we find topics. I don't know, Harris, how often you do it, but, like, it'll happen occasionally when I'll see something and be like, oh, that would make a good topic, and then I'll add mm-hmm. it to the list. Um, and I have a big, long list that I've had now for years. And every week it's like, all right, what am I going to do this week? And I go to the list and pick something from it. Well, I had several that were like matches, and and I, the whole time I've been like, I don't know how to get these in because they're, I can't really do a whole episode on some of these. So I was like, all right, let me just take like four or five ridiculous matches and do a thing on that. So I had, you know, I, I wrote a handful of them out and started doing research on them, and I got through two, and I was like, all right, cool. A little bit shorter, but but they're worthy of the show. And then I got to a third one, and it was way more content in there than the other ones. So <laughs> so I stopped on three. So for today, it's going to be three matches that were ki- that were just kind of ridiculous and and really poorly thought out. They're either poorly thought out, poorly executed, or just plain insane. There, there's a we we got a different uh, mix of things here. So that that's what we're going to talk about on the main show today and i'm i'm quite excited to get to uh to get to these that's for sure uh, okay so without getting too far ahead of ourselves here are these matches that are like bad gimmick matches because we've covered a lot of those before or are they just like are they just bad matches like are they just one like, of them star matches one of them all right so so a little tease here one of them is a pretty good idea for a match but it was um it didn't it didn't go off the way it was supposed to Okay. The other one is a horrible idea and and went appropriately. <laughs> um, and then the third one is a pretty generic idea that turned into an all-time memorable thing that happened and it doesn't really have anything to do with the match itself. Although there was some some things with that as well, but it's more the build up to it was just so absurd. That it's uh, it's something to to be remembered. So we got okay. a little of everything here. Okay. But before we get to that, we got to talk uh, about a little bit of things going on. So we really have not done a good job of following the procedure we set up a few weeks ago, um, with talking five minutes about stuff. So I don't know, Harris. Have you watched anything this week? I, I've been keeping an eye on it. I mean, I'm excited for this week and, and this season because we're back to like the, if wrestling had a playoffs, it would be right now. Right. Like everything from the Rumble all the way up to WrestleMania is 
if you don't watch it any other time, this is probably the best time to tune in. That's true. We're a week away. Coherent, yeah. Week away from the Rumble. Exactly. So we've got the most coherent storyline structure in place from the Rumble. You win a title opportunity all the way up to WrestleMania. So I don't know. I, I don't think I have enough to be put on a timer and talk for five minutes. Sure. I know Brock entered himself in the yeah, Royal Rumble this year. That's Despite being WWE champion. And to me, that kind of defeats the whole purpose of having the Rumble. Because it's not even for the title. That, that would have right. been interesting. But now it's kind of like, uh, all right, so, so why? Uh, why? It, it, who so cares? Here's the thing. I, f- I feel like it's been a minute since I've said this, but I've said this a lot on this show or something similar. It would be so easy to make this work and you just need a line or two here or there. Like if this is the kind of stipulation, the kind of setup where if new Japan did it, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's really interesting. Like they had their two day super show for the first time, right? They had wrestle kingdom yep, and it was two different nights. And a lot of the stuff that happened on the first night set up the stipulations for what happened on the second night. Right. All you have to do like, so having the champion of one brand enter the Royal rumble, could really really be interesting like it could be great all you have to do is have paul Heyman say yeah brock lesnar wants to prove that nobody in this game can touch him he wants to unify both of the wwe titles so he's going to enter the royal rumble and challenge the universal champion sure that's super interesting have they done that no of course not because that requires (laughs) like thinking about telling a story and not just saying uh put brock in the match it's great yeah it'll it'll pop the ratings it's really huge you know like just yeah so you kind of have to headcanon this whole thing. But I'm imagining that that's what he's doing. And obviously what's really going to happen is that whoever eliminates him is like greenlit for a title match at WrestleMania, sure. which is a pretty interesting way to get there. Yeah. So you have whoever wins the Rumble can challenge the Universal Champion. And you have whoever eliminates Brock can go after Brock. I think that's pretty interesting. Like I said, will it work in practice? Probably not. Right. But like there, there is some intriguing storylines here i think roman might be fighting baron corbin in a loser eats dog food match i'm not sure about that sounds fun sounds like an episode sounds great oh uh bray wyatt i have the card in front of me so i'm kind of cheating bray wyatt is gonna fight daniel bryan for the universal championship which is awesome yeah yeah. it's gonna be in a strap match which (laughs) keep uh keep um remember that for later no okay foreshadowing (laughs) foreshadowing Okay, uh, Sheamus is fighting your favorite wrestler on the planet, Shorty G. I uh, didn't know that was happening, and I will not watch it. But uh, uh, Bailey's so fighting bad, Lacey man. Evans, so which is yeah, Bailey is fighting Lacey Evans, which will be fine. Becky Lynch is fighting Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship. That'll be, be awesome. Should be. Yeah. So there's there's a there's some decent stuff on this card, and like I said, the storyline implications mean it's an easy one to tune into. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited to get back into it. I didn't get a chance to watch weekly. The only other thing I wanted to see if you heard about this. Did you hear that they had a fist fight match on Monday Night Raw this week? I did. I did. Um, I, that made I, me laugh. I thought that was preposterous because they literally <laughs> they literally had boxing matches and brawl for all. And if that's not fist fight match, then I don't know what is. It just made me laugh because you were the only person on the planet who's ever been like, you can't have a closed fist. I, it's true. It. It's against the rules. I know, but like it doesn't work because they do it so often 
that like changing the stipulation to okay now you're allowed to use closed fists doesn't uh, work no you can't do anything differently the reason a no dq match works is because normally <laughs> if you hit a dude with a chair the match is thrown out so right. now you can hit a guy with a chair but if they just hit each other with chairs all the time then like there would be no point to it right sanctioning a chair fight wouldn't work because it's just a fight yeah oh man so I, I don't know. Somebody is clearly trying to think outside the box, whether that's Paul Heyman or someone else. It doesn't really work in no. practice, but I salute them for trying. Oh, sure. one other thing. This is the last thing. They put Roman Reigns together with the Usos. Yeah, Final. that was cool. That was Continue good. Continue to make that happen, guys. Less Baron Corbin, more Usos. I agree. Um, the other great thing. Um, okay, I've I've uh, the past couple of weeks I have tuned into Raw afterwards just to watch whatever aj styles did um because i'm angry that i'm not watching aj styles because he's still my favorite um anyway and i like the stuff he's doing with randy i think it's entertaining but uh okay our truth gave us another one of the best moments in the history of wrestling this past <laughs> week harris did please tell me you saw the the uh the clip of our truth okay. and Brock Lesnar can and I Paul pull it Heyman. up now can we derail the show so I can watch it oh you haven't seen it I saw that he did it and I saw some of the like the gifts and stuff from it but I never I didn't sit down and watch the whole thing hang on I'll do okay it now. hold on I'll pull it up too and we'll we'll watch it at the same time here because it was uh it, it was it was wonderful it was it was I'm telling you man our truth is like the most consistent comedic performer in wrestling history and it was one of the funniest things i've ever seen so i'm just on youtube here and uh i'm pulling up the uh so let's get where our truth let's skip to where our truth comes out because brock lesnar it was which... brock lesnar and paul Heyman are out there and paul Heyman is announcing that um right. that brock lesnar is going to be in the royal rumble now what what's the name of the video you're on? Uh, so Brock Lesnar sends our truth to okay, Suplex perfect. City. Got it. Okay. So our truth is coming now. out. Hand, let me. Uh, all right, our truth is now in the ring. So I am at one fifteen. Okay. And we're gonna play this. So get to one fifteen, and and we'll go from there. Okay. You want to just count it in or what? All right. I'm on. Yeah, I'll count it in. You ready? Yeah. All right. Three, two. One play. Cheap pop. Love yep, it. Yep, yep. At least he got the right name. See, there's a part of me that would love to see other people hold the 24-7 title. Mm -hmm. But Truth is really good at this. Oh, he's great. <laughs> Paul Heyman is just like, why? <laughs> I'm not in the Royal Rumble 
Brock Lesnar breaks character is you so beautiful. It is. You're going face to face with Brock so our truth thought he was that Paul Heyman was entering himself into the rumble. Mm-hmm. My bad. For the first time ever, the 247, so he's undeclared himself yep. from the Royal Rumble now. That's very smart. And Brock is just dying. I don't want Brock to take me to Sioux Falls City. Paul is so mad. He's the best. <laughs> Paul Heyman is the best. He's the perfect straight man for nonsense like this, yep. too. He takes himself so seriously. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Why is he doing this? Anyway, <laughs> Bro- Brock Lesnar ends up beating up R-Truth, of course. Uh, well, that is, I mean, that is the name of the video. Right, so you can but figure out what's going to happen. He's such an idiot. He's like, I got one question for you, Brock Lesnar. What's up? And then he just starts dancing. All right, that is, again, just add it to the oh, list, man. Awesome. Uh, today is R-Truth's birthday when we're recording this, so WWE on Instagram had posted, like, a few highlights from R-Truth, and uh-huh. it just he's just the best. He is just the best. Oh, it's great. From, from him Wait, entering okay. the no. Royal Rumble with a ladder and then climbing up thinking it was the Money in the Bank match, that was mm-hmm. one of the best moments of all time. I mean, it's just – it's great. I do – I mean, obviously this is what was going to happen. It would have been great if Brock Lesnar had pinned him for the 24-7 title because he it, could it have. Yeah, like he holds yeah. it up and he looks at it and he's like, oh, yeah, and then he goes – Nah, it just drops it on him. Dude, that would be okay, you talk about your best use of Brock Lesnar. If you want him to be part time and like hold the title hostage, just give him the twenty four seven championship and he'd be like fighting guys off like Sauron at the beginning of Fellowship yeah, of the yeah. Ring. Like just plowing through people. Oh man, that would be incredible. You could have people like staking him out in Minnesota somewhere, like in the woods while he's hunting. <laughs> man. See, that's what I want to see. And he can just show up occasionally. You can tape a bunch of different segments. Yeah. It it is cool. I've actually, I've been in uh, his hometown many times because he's from Webster, South Dakota. I I didn't know that. I broadcast uh, several games where the team that I was working for was playing Webster in football and, and, uh, and basketball and stuff. And so I've, I've been in his hometown many times. Um, Anyway, that was great. So, again, again, it was just wonderful. But uh, other than that, NWA was great. We got to hear Scott Steiner speak. Please tell me you saw this, Harris. His promo. Nope, didn't see that either. Harris, you're killing me. Um, is Scott Steiner was speaking for the first time. And it we're not watching it now. We've are, we're not sitting here and watching the whole all this stuff. The whole episode is not just going to be us watching stuff because we're watching stuff later anyway. Um, but it was great. Just him speaking is just one of the best things ever. 
He did a whole big promo, heel promo, being with Strictly Business. You could understand, like, every third word. And even when you could understand what he was saying, you had no idea what he really was saying. Um, it was it was perfect. It was everything you could have ever wanted. from. And he came out with another belt? Like, and apparently this is, like, the NWA tag team title from at some point in the 90s? <laughs> even though in the 90s... It was WCW and NWA was kind of nothing at that uh-huh. point. So I have no idea, man. I don't know what I don't know what he was doing, but he came out I mean, with a belt. Sounds, it sounds like Scott Steiner is the R truth of NWA at this point. He just got a call and was like, "Oh, NWA? Yeah, I can do that." <laughs> and you know what I'll bring? I yeah, I remember NWA. I've got one of their titles. Let me just show up with that. And 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 they very wisely are like, "Please, just 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 bring whatever you want, and it's great. Yeah, um, you don't say no to Scott Steiner. Are you kidding? No, but it was it was fun. It was another good show. Uh, and so it was. Now the the final match was great because it was strictly business versus um a team of Ricky Morton's choosing, and the <laughs> winner. And, and if Ricky Morton's team wins, he gets a title shot, um, for the world title against Nick Aldis. Now, what was weird, and which I didn't realize till like it was going on, was Morton and Aldis were not going to be involved in the match. And so this whole time I was like, okay, well, obviously it'll be Robert, him and Robert Gibson, and then they'll get one more person. Well, it, w- it was Robert Gibson and then two other people, and he didn't even wrestle. And I was kind of weird. I'm like, so you, it's for your title shot, and you're not a part. It was a little weird. But anyway, so it was Robert Gibson, Eli Drake, and Tim Storm. Versus uh, the wild cards and then Scott Steiner for uh, for strictly business and it was it, it was fun it was a lot of fun Steiner Steiner can still go man I mean he's old but he's still in good shape and he can, he can still he can still go I mean the dude's one of the greatest athletes in wrestling history which people keep forgetting people I feel like people forget about that that he's legitimately like he was Kurt Angle before Kurt Angle basically yeah. I mean you know world champion NCAA champion wrestler. Uh, huge amateur amateur success, like big time athlete. I mean, he basically invented the uh, Hurricane Rana, um, at yeah, least in America. Weird. The Frankensteiner man, he was the first one to do that. He would do that. He would do the thing like he could do that while they're sitting on the top rope. He could jump up from the canvas and do a Frankensteiner on someone right. sitting on the top rope. Like the dude's incredible, and he's like three, you know, three hundred pounds, right. six foot five, whatever, dude. Like I mean, it's insane. Just- he just turned himself into such a cartoon character that everyone forgot <laughs> he was ever actually athletic. And we love him for it. But, oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so... Sorry, fin- let's finish your uh, NWA recap. Well, I was, I, I was just... Point. I was mostly just saying that. There, you know, there was another TV title... Um, TV title tournament um, with uh, the Dawsons. The Dawson brothers had to wrestle each other. Uh, they were because it's a random drawing, you know, so they actually had wrestling. Mm. That was interesting. So, you know, uh, the one Dawson had his hand like broken and his had his hand worked over a bunch. So uh-huh. it ended up where um, Dave Dawson actually targeted Zane Dawson's hand. Uh, and so it's an interesting thing where it's like, oh, well, maybe this will be going somewhere, you know, because he kind of fought a little dirty to in the match. And then, of course, Zane ends up, though, pulling out the win. So. That'll be interesting. I think there's a good storyline that could be could be in there. Um, Melina won her match, and she apparently she'll be facing Allison K for the title. 
I don't know if that's happening at this pay-per-view or not, but I think so. It's going to be happening at some point, I guess. And then uh, the the Pope kind of joined with um, uh, Outlaw Inc. and as kind of their one of their manager slash coach slash something, and um, they wrestled a tag team match versus Shooter Stevens and the Question Mark. And Harris, I don't know if this is for sure because we weren't at the, these tapings. Uh-huh. Do you remember that guy who was there on the first taping with the mask and claimed to be question marks kid? Yeah. I swear it's him who comes out with them <laughs> and he holds the flag the whole match. I swear it's him. <laughs> like, I don't know for sure, but it's gotta be. I really, really hope that just means they saw that guy. That, and yeah, me like, too. That's you want to be on the TV show? <laughs> oh, I, I guarantee that's what it is. And I, and I, as soon as I saw him come out, I was like, that's gotta be the guy. That's gotta be the guy. And That's it was, incredible. It was awesome. And again, they have question mark just hit that like throat thrust and basically, you know, win and win the match almost single handedly. And it's because the whole match was Aaron Stevens not tagging in question mark. And it was just him right. wrestling the whole time. And then when he does come in, he just lays out both Eddie Kingston and homicide with just that throat strike. And it's just so funny how this joke character is like the top draw in the whole company. Yeah. And it's at the point now where they've all built it up so much that like you could buy him going against Nick Aldis, hitting like his throat thrust and winning the title. Like we would buy it at this point. Yeah, that'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they handle taking him like up the card. Cause and, clearly like, this was not expected. It. And so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they adapt and, and continue to, you know, to, to profit, I guess, from from yeah. this this hit character that they have. Okay, so looking at the card now, all that's up on Wikipedia is it it, it looks like almost the entire pay per view is built around the television championship tournament. Right, right. Because I know so there's not a title match because Aldis is facing Flip Gordon. Right, and then yeah, Nick Aldis is facing Flip Gordon in a NWA versus Ring of Honor in a promotional match. Sure, which, which is fun. That's the other big news coming out this week is that Marty Skrull, who we saw show up at the end of the last NWA pay-per-view and mm-hmm. then did not see him at any of the other TV tapings we went to, right? he's got a new deal with Ring of Honor, and they're hoping to try and do some more cross-promotion. And he's like their head booker now. Yeah, and part of the reason that he re-signed with Ring of Honor is so he would have the flexibility to do stuff like NWA. So that's pretty cool. Any more Yeah, and he's supposed to be at stuff. He's supposed to be at the tapings too. So yeah. we'll see, you know, we'll see what they do with him. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Um anyway, but it was another good NWA show. There hasn't been a bad NWA show yet. And so no. it's they're just they're banging on all cylinders and it's great. AEW was good. Uh, Bash at the Beach. That was interesting. Um, there was some fun stuff there. They did a four-way tag match for the number one contenders. Uh, three established tag teams with the best friends in Orange Cassidy, and then um, uh, shoot, I always forget their names. The 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 people in Inner Circle. Um, the ones that were LAX, Santino and Ortiz. Um, I don't remember what their name was. Pr- uh, Pride and I don't remember. But anyway, uh, Santino and Ortiz. Uh, the the Young Bucks and then the new tag team of Omega and Hangman. This whole match was done to build this Hangman Elite storyline that they've been building, which they've done a really good job with. 
Um, and I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's leading to an Omega Hangman match at some point. That'll be a big thing. Um, but they won Hangman and Omega, and it was a really good match, but it's one of those things where you're like, all right, you're trying to make tag team wrestling mean something, and all the established teams lose to the one makeshift team. Right. doesn't really make any sense. Also, they're so bad with rules. They're so bad with rules. For, for a company that's like build themselves as being more of an athletic contest, Right. They just don't care about tag team rules at all. And that's kind of annoying. But but it was a good match though. It was fun. Um all those guys are great. But it was it's just kind of annoying when the the makeshift team beats the established tag teams. Cuz in kayfabe they that should never happen, really. Right. So Or if it should, it should, you know, it would be like a lower card tag team. Right. Not I mean, like Right, the but, best I, but I know why they did it, because they did it all to build to that story, and and, and that was successful, so, you know, <laughs> whatever. Cody responded to MJF, he's just the best talker, so it's great, and that's going to be great whenever that, you know, when that match finally happens at the next pay-per-view. Uh, the woman's thing was terrible again. Um, <laughs> Moxley and Sammy Guevara had a really fun match. Um, I feel like they need to give Sammy Guevara a win. He... he Anytime he's in a singles match, he's he loses pretty much. Yeah. But uh, but he's great. He's great and putting you know obviously Moxley's awesome. So that that's building to what's going to be an awesome title match with him and Jericho eventually. Um, next week it'll be oh yeah, and they, that's what they were doing. So the winner of Moxley Guevara and then the winner of pa, uh, Pack and Darby Allen, which was the main event. The two winners of that will face each other on the cruise this upcoming Wednesday and the winner of that officially gets the next title shot against Jericho. Huh. So Moxley beat Guevara in a fun match. And then the main event was just freaking incredible. Darby Allen and pack. Oh my gosh, man. I mean, you knew that was going to be great. Like going into it, as soon as that was announced, it was like, Oh boy, here we go. That's that. That's the one right there. And it was man. Darby Allen's a freaking star and pack is obviously just amazing. And they worked fantastic together. Pack gets the win. So it'll be Pac Moxley, who, if you remember, they went to a time limit draw last time. Um, mm-hmm. And so it'll be them uh, for the number one contender match on the boat this upcoming Wednesday, which is exciting. But the other cool thing was Moxley, after his match, he got attacked by Inner Circle, and Jericho pulled a spike off of his jacket and jabbed it into his eye. Perfect. And it was awesome. Because he came out with the eye patch, right? I yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the show, they were putting him in an ambulance, and then he fought his way out of it to go respond to Pack, who was kind of who was who was saying, "Oh, well, I guess Moxley is done. You know, he can't wrestle, so I, I'm, I should have the number one contendership." And he came yeah. out with his eye patched up to be like, "Nah, this, oh, it was great, great moment, everything about it, awesome, and it's so exciting." And it'll be interesting to see this boat show. They're doing a, as far as I know, they're doing it live. Um, yeah. I, now I'm not sure if that is the case or if they're taping some stuff, but they made it seem like they're going to do it live from the cruise, and that's going to be cool just just to see how they pull that off in and of itself. So AEW, even though it's not perfect, definitely some things that could be done doing better, but overall, still great great product, and I'm excited to go in a month month from today when we're recording this. They're oh, finally yeah, coming to true. Atlanta, and they've built that up too. So it, it'll be MJF had a bunch of stipulations for Cody. And one of them is he had to face um, his uh, his like bodyguard now that that came in. Oh shoot, what was his name? Um, 
I don't remember what his name was. But uh, anyway, that guy, he has to face him in a cage. And it's going to happen in Atlanta um, on that show at State Farm Arena. And it's going to it's the first it'll, it'll be the first cage match in AEW. So that's that's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about that. They have already made a match for a month out on a show. And they're, so everything I've seen, they're really going to try and push this Atlanta show pretty big and make it be Sweet. a pretty big deal. And, um, which makes sense, obviously, with Cody being from here and, and, you know, Turner and they're trying being to based sell out. here. It's a, and it's a bigger arena, arena right? than what they, yeah, they're they, trying they're, to sell it out. They're going to go for it. They're, they're, I mean, they're running normally around 10, you know, 10,000 to 12,000, so, something around there. Yeah. Uh, the, the smaller arenas. And, you know, State Farm Arena is, you know, 16,000, 17,000. And so it'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how well they're able to do with that. I would think they'll be able to do great with it, um, you know, with it just being Atlanta. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But I'm excited for it. But uh, that's really all I have for, for that's current it. After stuff. After 30 minutes, that's all. That's all we have. Yeah. That's all. All right. Anything else, Harris? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I think, uh, I think we, we farted around a lot today, but our Mount Rushmore, which we never came back to. Oh, shoot. I didn't even think of that. But I'm going to say, <laughs> I based on, forgot about it. <laughs> the conversations we just had my about idea and I forgot about it. The conversations we just had about Scott Steiner and R-Truth makes me think, okay, if you're asking me right now, I would say it's got to be David Arquette, obviously. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then... If you're breaking down the other patron saints, the wrestlers that just really represent the spirit of what we do here, which is something along the lines of, hey, that was real dumb and I absolutely love it. <laughs> I feel like that has to go to our truth Scott Steiner. And then for my third, I would say Buff Bagwell, just because of you know bad. some of the early episodes of this show. The forklift, the fact that I see him occasionally at the L.A. Fitness in Atlanta <laughs> and will Dude, never approach get him. get him on the show. To- what am I? I told you the the best move is just to print out a picture of a forklift on like an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper and just ask him to sign it. <laughs> and just be like, yeah, yeah, you get it. You remember that thing? You remember? Uh, that would be pretty funny. I'm telling you, man, so, you need to do it. Try and get him on the show. Just bring your phone and get him to record a little snippet of something, and then I can just thing. put it in the thing. He's got to be like we got Colt Cabana to do it because yeah. you know we paid him yeah <laughs> although was, I, yeah, I, in, I don't know how what did you I'm buy a, an autograph i don't even remember i got a uh i got a headband oh that's right that's right so i feel like that's how you do it you can't like bother the man while he's trying to get his pump on because he's still he's still buff you know well, then just wait for him to leave and then do it then after he's done so you're not bothering him during the workout <laughs> Tune in next week when Harris has been jumped by Buff Bagwell in the parking lot of L.A. Fitness. <laughs> oh, that would be worth it, too. That would be even better. Oh, that man. would be pretty remarkable. I'm telling you, man, you need to try it. You need to be more assertive at this. Otherwise, we're never getting anywhere. That's fair. Again, like like I was saying, I remember when we finally did get David Arquette on there, which we're a little over a year now since since we were able to do that and really should have quit the show. But um, uh, I was thinking at the time, there's nobody, not a single person I would have rather had than David Arquette. Like, I don't care who it is. Undertaker, Stone, like, I don't care. There's yeah, no one I would have rather had. And, the, and again, like you just said with those others, 
I can't really think of anyone else. I'd rather have one of those guys even than than other like big wrestling stars. Well, I will be honest though. Part of me thinking that is like, okay, if Scott Steiner thinks I'm an idiot, well, that's kind of par for the course, you know. Sure, that's sure. he thinks. Every- I don't. I wouldn't want to have CM Punk on this stupid show oh, and have him no. think I'm an idiot. No, that would hurt no. me way more. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, another thing. I I think. I, I I have I have a uh, an um, uh, I just blanked my brain just blanked on the word I was looking for another um, candidate that's what I was looking for okay for, for our uh, our Mount Rushmore it's okay. a more recent one okay but Luchasaurus oh yeah that's fair that's a good point I mean he is everything we yeah. love about wrestling. That's I mean, I mean the point. whole, you know, him and Jungle Boy, the the whole tag team, but but specifically Luchasaurus, where he is a dinosaur, mm-hmm. but he's also not a dinosaur. And, well, he's and also he fully a, commits he's also to a, both. a uh, yeah, he's also a lucha, like that's right. the and he's and he's a he has a master's degree well, or a PhD or whatever it is. What is his PhD in? I think it's or a, whatever. I think it's just a master's degree. I don't think it's PhD. Okay. Xavier Woods has a PhD. Right. I knew uh, that. But uh yeah, I think I think I might have to squeeze I think I might put him over Buff Bagwell. Mm, that's I I'll 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 entertain that argument. Just saying. If for no other reason than the mental image of a dinosaur <laughs> man carved onto Mount Rushmore is pretty good. <laughs> With glasses. See, if we were a more popular podcast, we could say like, "Hey, somebody draw that," but nobody's yeah, going I know. to. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you have uh, you have your graphic design buddy who, who I mean, made I do, our logo. But I had to. I paid him to do the right, logo. Right, I don't know right. if I want to pay him just for this bit, too. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um. Anyway, but so that that yeah, I think that's pretty good right there. That's pretty pretty solid. Um, David Arquette. Scott Steiner, R Truth, and then Buff Bagwell, Luchasaurus, you know who, you know so, someone up there. Who knows? Maybe in a little while, Orange Cassidy might be up higher on the list. Um, I'm just gonna say Orange Cassidy was one of my favorite parts of that tag team match because he's like with the best friends, just yeah, literally with them, like he's just there, and <laughs> and it's great. And uh, he did a thing where he went up on the top rope. A guy was down in the corner and he went up on the top rope and literally just collapsed onto him. Like he just fell straight on him. And, and Tony Schiavone was like, did he pass out? Like what, <laughs> what happened? Like it was, you can't tell he's got the sunglasses on. It was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. And I'm telling yeah, you, man, very good. I, I was not a fan at first because I could have sworn, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I misinterpreted stuff, but I could have sworn there was moments when people were selling his stuff. And that's mm-hmm. the part I really didn't like. But with him just doing this stuff, it's very entertaining. It's very entertaining, and I'm all for it. I'm all for it now. So I'm I'm on board the Orange Cassidy bandwagon at this point. But uh, anyway, enough with all that. Now we got to get into the actual show. Unless you have anything else you want to add, Harris. Um, look, since we've already rambled on for so long, I just want to say at some point this week. Somebody figured out that they put a little crash pad out on the ramp for Roman Reigns. So when he does his punch into the ground on his entrance, he doesn't hurt his hand. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's very funny, but somebody on Twitter called That's him the out. Dumbest for it. thing I've ever heard. But they were like, yo, because, you know, I would think, hey, 
just don't actually punch the ground, right? right? Like look that like seems you are. Pretty easy. But, that isn't that all of wrestling. But somebody, okay, somebody called him out on Twitter, and he was he was absolutely hilarious. Like it's the Roman where you're like, okay, I see why they want to push this guy because he's pretty cool. He was just like, yeah, dude. Here's the thing. I'm working 48 weeks a year, something like that. Probably four days a week, 48 weeks a year. I just put it there so I don't break my hand. It seems like common sense. Sort of like, oh, I don't know, like not headbutting a door before a match. You know, if I punch the ground every day, just put something there so I don't have to worry about it, right? And then so he just called out Goldberg in this really weird little diatribe he went on. But it just made me laugh that he was like, yeah, dummy, I just I don't want to fool with it. All right. Just let me live my life. Boo. That made me laugh. That's that, all I that got. Is let's funny. let's that get on to the topic. All right. So that's been fun. Oh yeah, another thing for next week. There's a lot of stuff going on. NWA Hard Times, the Royal Rumble. We're going to one of the tapings before the Royal Rumble, the NWA tapings. Um so we'll, we might have a few extra episodes next week, just depending on how timing works out. We might try and do an episode just briefly recapping the NWA pay-per-view, maybe. Um and then we we might do that briefly for the end of our rumble. Not quite sure how the timing is going to work out, but just keep an eye out. We might have a few like 10, 15 minute short recap episodes as well coming up next weekend just because there's so much wrestling stuff going on. That That's all I wanted to add into there. All right. Now, it's time to get into the topic, Harris. And as I said at the beginning of the show, it's uh, kind of a grab bag. we got three different matches we're looking at. That's what we're really looking at specifically. Three matches. They're all from WCW, and they all take place in the years either 1999 or 2000. So you know that's a good sign right there. We're going to start in the year 2000. This is right at the beginning, January 2000. It's the pay-per-view sold out. Dean Malenko versus Kidman. Already, that sounds like a great match, right? You got Dean Malenko, one of the best in-ring workers ever, yep. and then Kidman. I think Kidman might be the most underrated wrestler of all time, and I think he at least needs. He, I think he's at least in the top list of underrated wrestlers. He could wrestle anybody. He was innovative. He did stuff no one had ever seen before, as you know, as a cruiserweight. But he also could wrestle with all the heavyweights. Had many pretty decent runs in those last few years of WCW with major stars was able to have great matches with all of them. Not the best talker in the ring, which was, I guess his one kind of flaw, but he wasn't horrible. He he could still do the job some, you know, good enough most of the time, but I love watching him work. So these two guys, you think this is going to be awesome. Um, well, this is the shortest match on the list. Uh, and it was not supposed to be. So, now, this is WCW in 2000. They're really, you know, they're bleeding out at this point. In just a little over a year, they're going to be gone. But they're trying to survive. Uh, Vince Russo is not helping, and he's actually been ousted at this point. He, he, He was ousted from the company during this time for like a couple of months, like a month, and then came back in. Um, So, it's kind of a weird time right now. Okay, hang on. I just want to interrupt you real quick. You mean in real life? Yes, right? yes, yes. That's I mean the in state real life. Of the company at this time. It's not like it's an angle where you're like, "Oh, he's out, but now he's back in." You know, nope. like that dumb cliche that happens in wrestling. Right. That's happening in real life right now. That's how bad WCW is 
in terms of their organization and everything. Yeah, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. There's that whole Time Warner mor- uh, merger going on, and so that just made it all worse. Obviously, if you listen to Bischoff's podcast, 83 Weeks, which is probably my favorite wrestling podcast ever, um, you, you hear all about him him talking about all the merger stuff and how just terrible everything was um, during all this stuff. But anyway... Uh, so Vince Russo is not helping. And on top of that, people are just dropping like flies. Like there's just injuries all over the place. Um, uh, apparently the big plan for this pay-per-view was for Chris Benoit and Jeff Jarrett to wrestle in three different matches on the show with various stipulations and which is a pretty cool idea. And also the other thing, Bret Hart was the champ at the time and he was supposed to wrestle Sid Vicious for the title. But Bret Hart had to pull out due to concussions, and also Jarrett had to pull out of his matches with Benoit because he suffered a concussion on the Raw or on the on the uh, Nitro right before the pay per view. So now they're having a scramble just at the last second, like major damage control. Basically, their two biggest draws are gone, like matches are are done, and they have to fix it. So what they did was they of course put Benoit versus Vicious together for the title. They had taken the title off of Bret Hart for some storyline thing. I didn't look into that. But they're, Benoit and Vicious are wrestling for the title. And then Kidman would wrestle in three different matches against three different opponents. Um, this is actually where Benoit wins the WCW title and then immediately leaves the company like the next week. Uh, leaves for WWF. So, anyway. It's not going well for, for anything. But... So, uh, Kidman's going to wrestle three different people all on the same show, and it's going to be Dean Malenko, and then Perry Saturn, and then The Wall. Those will end up being the three wrestlers that he wrestles. So, the Malenko match, though, was a little different, because it's going to be what they called a catch-as-catch-can match. Well, you might be wondering what that is, and, well, it's pretty much a normal match. (laughs) The only difference, the only difference is that you cannot leave the ring. If you leave the ring and, like, if you go to the floor or whatever, you will lose. So you have to stay in the ring. That's really the only difference. But that's a pretty Why? good idea. I think that's, that's a pretty interesting idea. Because you can do, like, you know, Royal Rumble tease spots where someone's, like, about to be knocked off the ring. You know, like, that. that's, that's a pretty interesting idea, especially with two guys who are really good wrestlers. Like, okay, so two – I'm sorry. Two things real quick. Sure. Number one – so if you get thrown over the top rope, do you lose or is it just yes. like a DQ? No, 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 okay. no, no. You okay. lose. It's like, you know, if you escape the cage, you win. Well, it's re- that in reverse, basically. Got it. Okay. Okay. But also there's pinfalls and submissions. Is that correct? Like in the ring? Yes, 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 there are. So why would you call it a – see, a catch as catch can Right. The title makes no sense. Correct me if I'm wrong. That expression, you don't hear it a lot anymore. That just means like – Hey, do what you got to do. Right. Right. Am I wrong about that? I, so that makes it sound uh, like it's so. a, it makes it sound make, like it's more like a hardcore no DQ match or something. Right. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like like what Jack Gallagher calls his no DQ matches. <laughs> That's what that sounds like. You know how like you challenge people to like your uh, like your own special match like Dean Ambrose is like, I've got an Ambrose Asylum match. Right. And it's big and it's weird and it's kooky. I feel like a really snooty uppity like posh heel would challenge somebody to a catch as catch can yeah. match. That's what that sounds like. No, I agree. I agree. The title makes no sense, but 
that's what the match is. And uh, the announcers tell us this at least three times, just so we're clear what's going on. Cool. Uh, now, again, though, as I said before, this this is kind of perfect for a wrestler like Malenko, who's just, you know, one of the best in-ring workers ever. And then Kidman, obviously, is great. Um, so the match starts and starts off really strong, fast paced, hard hitting, both the guys really going for it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good matchup and both the guys are really going all out. Um, you can see they care and, and they're putting a lot of effort into it. Uh, well, about three minutes in Kidman lands some real hard shots on Malenko. Like he kind of mounts him and it's kind of giving him some punches and Malenko kind of throws him off and escapes and rolls out of the ring. Match over. Way to go, Dean. Okay. Everyone's confused. (laughs) Tony Schiavone says, uh, the match is over, isn't it? Uh, There's about a 25-second delay before the bell rings and Kidman is declared the winner. (laughs) Malenko hadn't realized what he had done, and so he, like, goes to... He gets back in the ring, ready to, like, continue the match, but the match is over. Charles Robinson calling for the bell. <laughs> Way to go, Dean. One of the smartest wrestlers, complete brain fart, and just ruined a great match. Well, okay, so, okay, wow. So, <laughs> it's if you leave the ring at all, the match is over. Yes, you lose if you leave. Because so it, it goes from, like, old school, he... like, catch-style wrestling matches where they, you know you have like the circle on the mat or whatever and you cannot leave like one like you can't leave the thing like one of the ways okay. you win is if you can drive the other person like out of the out of the okay. circle or whatever like it comes so from did that. what happen did he make the same mistake that i just did and assume it was over the top rope uh no lose the match i never said over the top rope i said leave the ring I must okay. See, but that's what I'm saying. I just heard it and was like, and no, oh, yeah, so no, that okay. wasn't the mistake. The mistake was literally he just instinctively did a heel <laughs> thing, did a heel thing of leaving the ring, yep. and it just happened to not be the instinctive move. Like he even said that after he's like, yeah, I literally just just instinctively <laughs> did that. So again, one of the smartest wrestlers just pff, ruins it. That's incredible because, like, okay, a topic, a grab bag I've thought about doing and may or may not happen next week with the Rumble is Royal Rumble botches. <laughs> right, that's pretty, yeah. Which is a very fun rabbit hole to go down, but at least in the Royal Rumble, like, if you botch the ending or your own elimination, like, it's one very specific rule that everything revolves around. It's over the top rope, both feet touch the ground. Which to me, I always hate that because I hate the fact that people can leave the ring in the rumble. I think that's stupid. And it's annoying. Well, like it wasn't a problem until they started doing it a lot. I feel like they've done it a lot more recently. But all that being said, so like it's a pretty simple conceit. And if you mess it up, like, well, yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to like, you know, like say you lose your grip or something. Right. And you're trying to do that thing where you skin the cat and you fall out. At least, like, that's, okay, yeah, you messed up, but, like, that's kind of a tricky thing to do. Sure. Not just, like, you have a brain fart and ruin the entire match. (laughs) Nobody has ever ruined the Royal Rumble on a brain fart. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, Yeah. Um, Even better, this is Malenko's last match in WCW as he would leave for WWF uh, right after this. (laughs) Now, 
it, this had nothing to do with this match, but it's just funny that it happened to be his last match as well. That's that's absolutely incredible. So yeah, once I heard about that, I was like, all right, I gotta at least mention that at some point on the show. Uh, so that's our first match. Dean Malenko just leaves the match in the only stipulation, and he does exactly that and 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 loses the match. Um. All right, now we're getting a little bit crazier, though, Harris. Little, okay. wi- little wilder. We're going back to 1999. This is uh, Bash at the Beach. So, now, 1999 was an interesting year for wrestling because hardcore wrestling was just at its absolute peak at this point. Like, ECW was just running rampant right now. Backyard wrestling videos were making the rounds with people just like butchering each other, like in the backyard. And even WWF now has created their own hardcore title, which was, of course, a massive success. So with all this, of course, WCW wanted some of that, some of that attention. So they set out to have a hardcore division, you know, their own hardcore division. And they would start it off with a junkyard invitational match at bash at the beach to crown the first hardcore champion um harris that when i say junkyard match i literally mean that it was literally in a junkyard um and it was like this hodgepodge of hardcore legends and and some other wrestlers that just weren't doing anything at the time um so this was the list of of people you had Fit Finley, Ciclope, Jerry Flynn, Rocco Rock, Johnny Grunge, Hack, which was Sandman from ECW, <clears throat> Horace Hogan, Brian Knobs, Hugh Morris, LaParca, Steve Regal, or William Regal, Silver King, David Taylor, Public Enemy, and Mikey Whipwreck. Now, I'm going to try and describe what this, what this match looked like. But I think you just need to Google, Google it to try and get an idea. Cause I think I've, I think I've heard of the junkyard match before. I'm picturing something in my mind's eye when you say that. All right, now it was out in some parking lot. I have no idea where. They said it was like 15 miles away from the, <laughs> wherever they were. They're they're in Miami, of course, for Bachelor the Beach. Um, and all <laughs> this like real junk had been set yep. up in like a circle. With, like, junked cars creating most of the barrier. There was some portable lights that were there so that they could be... There Mm -hmm. could be some visibility, but it wasn't nearly good enough. There was a helicopter with a spotlight that was used to shoot a lot of Mm -hmm. the footage. Um, And and so it's just this crazy stuff. You got, like, trash cans on fire. Um, And the goal of the match was very confusing, but I... The goal ended up being you have to climb over the gate at the entrance to the junkyard to win. So all this, and it's just to climb over this gate. Great. Um, Great. Like, and now imagine like a TL, you know, you've seen like a TLC match or something like that. Imagine like a TLC match, but with like 15 individuals doing different things. So imagine that. And now imagine it takes place in a dark uh, in in a in in the dark in an enormous parking lot. Uh, yeah. My, my my point is you can't see or follow anything. 
it's just you mean the helicopter filming with one single spotlight doesn't do a lot to show you what's going on not a ton and you have people like on the ground like cameramen in the match like yeah running around with cameras but it's just random people hitting each other with real pieces of cars like nothing yeah. in here is gimmicked it's just all real stuff and you know trash cans are on fire and so it's not safe by any means <laughs> You know, to say the least. Sure. And all it the looks co- like I've got a pictures. I've got pictures and gifts yeah, yeah, of yeah. it pulled up right now. You know, like the beginning of the Terminator film when you're in the future <laughs> yeah. and everything's just burning and destroyed, and robots are like stepping on skulls. Imagine if the camera just panned like thirty feet to the left, and there were also a bunch of pro wrestlers like smacking <laughs> each other with pieces of cars. Because that's what it looks like. That's the aesthetic here. Pretty much, uh, all the cars are spray painted with just various graffiti as well. Uh-huh. For some reason, Jimmy One Hart them... is there. Like, is he in I... the is, is he in the match? Well, he's like the manager of some of the people in it or something. So okay. he's in there and he's in like a helmet and pads, <laughs> like he's going rollerblading. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, like that's awesome. and like cheering them on. <laughs> that's very very good. It that's probably my favorite part. Is just I'm seeing Jimmy at, Hart in there. I'm looking at one picture now. It looks like La Parka beating someone else up. In the background, there's a car. There's a truck with the word number one boom painted on it. And I'm just trying to figure out if that's worse, if one of the wrestlers spray painted it, or that was just there when they got there. One of the cars... I'm not sure which it, is It dumber. was spray painted like, Happy Birthday, Sean, or something like that on there. <laughs> so, again, I, I don't know what is going on. But uh, they're all graffitied. Uh, so, Tony, Shivani and, and um, Bobby the Brain, well, they're trying to provide commentary and make this seem like it's a big deal and exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, that's Tony Schiavone's staple, man. Especially in these three last years. I mean, he, 100% company man, just doing his best to try and put over this garbage stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, props to him, man. He tries so hard. Uh, but, you know, it, this just is not, it's just not exciting. And it goes on, it's like 15 minutes long. Like, it just goes on forever. And it's so confusing and boring. Another problem, everyone isn't even dressed in their ring gear. They're all dressed in street clothes. So you really have, like, no idea who anyone is. You know, you have, like, Cyclope and La Parca and masks, which help. But you really can't tell. Um, at one point, they're all just starting to get tired. So things are just being thrown at each other. And Tony Giovanni, this is a quote. He says... Now they're just resorting to throwing things at each other. Like, <laughs> and it's exactly what it is. Like, he's almost annoyed when he's saying it. He's like, now they're just resorting to throwing things at each other. Because right. they are. Whatever they're just throwing the classic things back old and forth. school junkyard invitationals, you know? I know. this. It's not this. Um, so, like, again, I, I, I can't explain any clearer just how boring this match is. Like, how many times can you see someone hit another person with, like, the bumper of a car? Like, it, it, there's nowhere to go after, like, the first five minutes. You know, how many other people can we see get, like, backdropped onto, the, like, the, the roof of a car? Like, it's just, it's it's so boring. Um, At one point, Finley is actually, like, grabbed and put in the trunk of a car and a big, like, tractor forklift thing comes to pick up the car and put it in the crusher? 
but Finley jumps out like just before it picks up the car. Now I have to. Now I have no idea who was driving this forklift, and no idea who's running the car crusher, because then it still picks the car up, puts in the crusher, and it crushes the car. Who are running these machines? <laughs> Look, man, they're used to, they got people brawling in their junkyard every day. They got a job to do. They're I can do only it. assume one of the wrestlers was in that forklift thing, but you don't know. You can't tell. <laughs> like, it, it's not addressed. I mean, it might have happened, but I don't know. Uh, it's it's terrible. Um, So then, then at some point, just in the middle of this place, just a car explodes for some reason. Like, big time explosion. And then Finley climbs over the fence and gets the win. So your first hardcore winner is Fit Finley. <laughs> I mean, a gr- wow. Fit Finley's great, great wrestler, but not really. I mean, he's a brawler for sure, but not really like hardcore. I would not say is normally like the match type Fit Finley was specializing in. So it's a little right. strange. That is funny. And it was just, it was just terrible. Um, and I feel bad for the people like in the crowd in the arena who had to wait for this, you know, while it's just being up on the big screen like that, you know, so that that couldn't have been fun either. Now, presumably they weren't doing this all live, right? Like this was all pre-taped and they just aired it during have, the pay-per-view. Right? I honestly don't know. I don't know. I would assume so, but I'm not sure when it was I mean, because it was still dark outside. So it's not like they filmed it earlier that day. So either they filmed it like a different night or, again, I don't know. I'm not really sure when it took place. But you would think if they were doing that, they could have done a better job of, like, showing how one thing led to another thing and, like, edited it a little bit. You know, like, oh, this guy's driving the forklift. Things like that. You would think, but no. Um, But anyway, so after all this, Finley's hardcore champion. So, you know, you would think he's at least going to get a nice, cool, hardcore title belt, right? Wrong. Yeah. This was all for a hardcore championship trophy that was being presented the next night on Nitro. And we all know how great, great. trophies in wrestling are. Um this yep. this is this is this is the best part of this whole thing. So the, the the trophy, Harris, again, I can't I'm gonna try and describe this. It was literally a pile of garbage with hardcore champion painted on the top. That that's the best way I can describe it. Like it was literally if someone super glued a pile of garbage together and then spray painted or just painted on hardcore champion at the top of it. That is what it is. Like what what did you why? think what do you think the discussion was like? I have no idea. Because okay, here's correct me if I'm wrong because I've never actually gone and watched this, but like the WWF hardcore title, which, you know, had the 24-7 defense rules and all that kind of stuff, pretty iconic. Wasn't that designed or even in kayfabe was like a busted up taped together version of the winged eagle belt? Like the Right, because they was, they weren't using the winged eagle belt anymore. It was a new belt, so I guess presumably it was the winged eagle belt. Right, exactly. So that like had been in discarded. Like I think I think Vince might have awarded it to mankind, you know, Cactus Jack, because he's hardcore and all that kind of stuff, because he was like a minion for McMahon at the time. And it's funny because it 
it's a cool look. First of all, it's a sure. fun belt that you can carry around, you know, and fight for in 24 seven defense and all that kind of stuff. But also in the context of the story, it works because Vince McMahon was looking for some like trash belt to give this trash right hand man of his. And he just gave him a busted up old title belt. And he was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Like, right. that's funny. And that, that works funny. in storyline. I don't know why this would have ever been considered a good trophy. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Um, and he's, I, I just Googled it, and the picture is him holding it, and he's, like, psyched. He's thrilled. He's trying, man. Oh, man. Uh, but, but it gets even better. So, eventually, they would introduce an actual belt. That right. was just a direct ripoff of the ECW title. But <laughs> Finley would never win that. They would basically <laughs> go through a whole thing again to crown a new champion, like a first champion or something, because Finley was like stripped of the trophy or something by Bischoff. And then Norman Smiley would end up being the first hardcore champion. Now, Norman Smiley is an awesome dude. He's one of the main trainers in at the Performance Center. Um about as opposite of a hardcore wrestler as you could ever think of, which is actually kind of funny when he was in this discussion. Um, So, you know, there, there was, but, and he was entertaining um, as a wrestler and and a good worker, but not, not someone you would have thought of being a hardcore champion. But so, so that on top of it, this match was terrible and then completely pointless, completely pointless by Finley being stripped of the trophy and then them actually introducing a belt like a little while later and doing a a whole other thing to crown a champion. And on top of all that, it was even worse because it was so dangerous. It it put like several competitors in the hospital for real. And they had to miss like work because of it. I, I don't have a list of the people that were injured, but it was several of those participants were hurt for real, like like concussions and stitches and stuff like that. So it's just like that. And, and on top of that, Finley wasn't even supposed to win it, which is why all the, you know, why he was stripped afterward and everything. He wasn't even supposed to win it. It was supposed to be hack or AKA Sandman because he's the one who came up with the idea. Like on nitro, he did a big thing challenging all these people for this junkyard match and he was supposed to win it, but he showed up late and drunk for the production meeting. So then they they gave the win to Finley instead. What a waste of time. That makes it sound like he just didn't want to win. He like <laughs> looked does. at the match and was like, you know what? Eh. Oh, Maybe man. It will. I, I will say this. Just looking up pictures of this match. There is one of the best gifts that I've ever seen from any moment in wrestling. And it's... um. It's him climbing over the fence to win the match and like looking back off to his left and just looking at a car burning. <laughs> and then the camera pans back to him and he just kind of slides over the edge and wins. And it's it's kind of it's like that moment uh, from Community where you see Donald Glover walk into the room and everything's just on fire. <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like. Like he's looking behind him and, he's oh, like, man. and then just keeps going. <laughs> That's one That's... of my favorite moments. I would literally watch that episode of Community last night again. I need to rewatch it, dude. That's it's a good one. That's my favorite TV show of all time. And um, 
Oh, that's great. We should we should just ch- change this podcast into a community podcast, and I'd be fine with that. But anyway, anyway, so that's that's the end of that. So we've gone through two matches, but but we're saving the best for last, Harris. We're saving okay. the best for last. Oh man, Th- this is the one where I started on it. I was I like I'd heard about it and stuff. This ridiculous match, and so I was like, all right, cool. I'll put that on the list. And then I got into it. And it was even better. It, it was just, oh, it was so much weirder. Um, so okay. Now we're gonna have to work a little bit to get through this one. So right. we are again in the year two thousand. It's in March, which is a great month because you know that was kind of the beginning of the David Arquette thing uh, later in March and then into April. But you know, obviously, WCW is they're they're dying. They're they're slowly dying at this point. But Hulkamania is back. Because the NWO has pretty much gone away because a bunch of them got injured and stuff and it's kind of just fizzled at this point. And mm-hmm. uh, Hogan is back in the red and yellow. So this is a big deal. He's reunited with manager Jimmy Hart. And so that they're kind of a thing now. And now and Ric Flair has joined an alliance with Lex Luger. And I'm not making this up. Their alliance name Oh no. is called Team Package. Wait, what? No, I'm not kidding. It's they're they're called Team Package. Um, the reason being, of course, because you know Lex Luth- Lex Luger is called the Total Package. That's that's his name, the Total Package Lex Luthor. Or, um, okay. So, so Luger and Flair, that's their name, Team Package. Great. Again, okay. we could have a whole other thing on that, but um, so the angle, this angle particularly, starts with Flair and Luger beating up Jimmy Hart on an episode of Nitro. Hogan finally comes in for the save, and uh, but it doesn't really go well for him, and Flair ends up whipping him with his own weight belt. So, you know, not a great showing here for Hogan. And uh, on the next Thunder, Flair is carrying that same weight belt as a trophy and, you know, cuts a promo on Hogan. On the next Nitro, Hogan appears on a pre-taped promo with the same belt Flair had taken. <laughs> <laughs> and he's calling for what he calls a Yapapai Indian strap match. Now, Harris, That's... this promo, <laughs> and we're going to watch two of them. Okay. So this is the first one, and it's one of the greatest promos I've ever seen. So we're going to pull this up here. It's the February 28th episode of uh, of Nitro. Um. And uh, so I'm going to play the audio here for you guys. We're, we're going to play it right here. So, Harris, uh, you ready? I'm at 16 minutes, 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Ready? We're going to play in three, two, one, play. You know something, Ric Flair? After the sacrifice in Sacramento, brother, I realized how far we've taken this thing, brother. As I was in that slow, rolling coffin on the way to the emergency room, as I waited for each bated breath coming out of Jimmy Hart's body that I thought might be his last, I glazed down into his eyes, Ric Flair. Yes, Jimmy Hart was muttering, was stammering, trying to get the words out. I finally understood one word coming out of his mouth. Ric Flair, the steel cage wasn't the answer, brother, to our problems. The thousands of Hulkamaniacs that I had to strap back to keep off your back, Jack, wasn't the answer to the problems. But when I heard Jimmy Hart 
On the way to the emergency room, in that slow rolling coffin, muttered the words, Yappa Pie, brother. I knew the answer to the problem, Ric Flair. The Yappa Pie Indian strap match, Jack. That's what Jimmy Hart was calling for, brother. And now that I know, with the powers to be watching my back, I can box you in contractually. I can corner you in, brother. And if we are bonded together with a leather man, if we are bonded together with no one in our way, as I strap that flesh, as your flesh bubbles and burns over your whole body, you will understand, my man, what the Yapapai mean by the Indian strap match flare. I'm calling your bluff, man. I'm the greatest wrestler of all times. And when I strap my wrist to yours, brother, the transformation as my eyes roll in the back of my head, as the smoke comes out of my nose, the leather will be your last lifeline to the professional wrestling world, brother. I will beat you within an inch of your life and in the Yappa Pie Indian strap match, Ric Flair. I will prove that you will bow down to me for an eternity, brother. <laughs> All right, so so you guys just okay. heard that there. Um, there's a lot to unpack with with, with with that promo here. I mean, we got we got he's talking about Jimmy Hart in a slow rolling coffin. Um, and apparently, does, does Jimmy, he think that's what a stretcher is called? Let's I, start with that. I I I don't know. I don't know. I I, I guess. Um, apparently Jimmy Hart has some crazy knowledge of an ancient Indian match type. Like, this is the first time we're hearing about this. I mean, we know he's like a great wrestling manager, but I didn't know he, it went that far into It is also very arts. funny, like, to think of all the things Hulk Hogan has been through in his career. Because it is late in his career at this point. It is, yes. And now is the time. You know, not when he, like, no other beef that he's had in 20 years has been so great as this kind of personal beef with Ric Flair. <sighs> away from the title picture on Monday Nitro. <laughs> yeah. This is where you got to break out the big guns. This is where you got to do it. Yeah. Um, he's talking about his eyes rolling in the back of his head and smoke coming mm-hmm. out of his nose mm-hmm. while he's beating Ric Flair. Like, yep. the, the flesh is going to bubble off his body. Like, it is... Uh, it, it's something. It's something, man. Now, oh. this this is the best part. Of this match and everything. In case you were wondering, there is no Indian tribe called the Yapapai. Well, that doesn't surprise me. There is one called the Yavapai. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's Y A V A P A I. And apparently, that is what the match was supposed to be called, but Hogan mispronounced <laughs> the word. And thus, the, the Yapapai Indian strap match was born. Because at this there point, go. there's no going back. He said it like four times. Right, because he's doing that classic like wrestling promo thing where you repeat yourself or you say right. someone's name over and over again, which is cool. Like That's a very, Unless you know, for dramatic effect. Unless it's wrong, and then you can't really back out. <laughs> okay, I will give Hogan credit because he's doing he, – he, kind of crosses that sacred behind the gorilla territory where he's so insane <laughs> and so earnest that he actually brings it full circle to great. Yeah. Yeah. He just looks like this deranged, like Santa Claus man 
ranting about it, it sounds like he's going to be possessed i mean that's what it sounds like it doesn't sound like he's just going to tie himself to rick flair when he talks about his eyes rolling up in his skull brother and the flesh on rick flair's arm bubbling and peeling <laughs> off oh boy he, um yeah. so after that amazing promo <laughs> rick flair now comes out to the ring okay with the same belt sure well now, again, Mark, you got to keep in mind, in kayfabe, Hulk Hogan probably has like 50 of these weight belts. Wait a minute. Tony points that out, that Flair, uh, someone says, like, Flair is Hogan's weight belt, and Hogan obviously has another one, as he has many of them. Mm-hmm. But, but they're clearly the same belt. Like, it's the same design and everything. And um, Flair cuts a promo... And in the promo, wonders how Hogan could strap anybody because he has his belt. Tony already told us he had more. Brilliant. Just brilliant. But let's not think about it too hard because it doesn't lead anywhere. Um, the next week on Nitro, we get an even better promo from Hulk Hogan about the match. So this mm-hmm. is Nitro from March 6th. And uh, we got to take a listen to this. Okay. Okay, so I have it up here. I'm at a minute, or uh, an hour, four minutes, 49 seconds. Are, are you there, Harris? Yeah, I'm good. Let's do it. All right, ready? Three, two, one, play. Something maniacs. First things first. I want to let Dr. Proper know. I want to let Dr. Unger know and Dr. Hughes know that the release forms have been signed. You guys are not responsible for the last couple fractures in the forearm, brother. The main priority in the Yapapai Indian strap match is to have flexibility on the wrist that you're strapped to your opponent with, brother. Because in the Yapapai Indian strap match, when you're in the four corners of the battle zone, the main priority is, is to get the body in the proper position for the strapation dudes. When I get Ric Flair right where I want him, when I get him out of wind, sucking air, sweating from head to toe, I will call to the Strapmaster Jimmy Hart on ringside. And I will say, Jimmy Hart at ringside, give me Yapapai Indian punishment strap number one. As I strap your body, Ric Flair, as you scream to the heavens for mercy, as I see your skin start to bubble off your body, you will drop your knees and you will say, please, Mr. Hogan, please, I can't take it anymore. Please, I'm sorry I crossed the line. And as I hear you beg for mercy, Ric Flair, that's when I'll call to the strap master, Jimmy Hart, for Yapapai Indian strappage number two. That's when the heavier belts will come out. That's when I will strap your skin and the flesh will bubble. That's when the flesh will start to peel from your hide. And as I see the raw pink meat on your back, brother. I'm gonna take it to another level. I will transform from Hulk to Hollywood. I will double strap you with both fists and you will scream to the heavens, please Hollywood, don't hurt me anymore and I will never stop. (sighs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh 
Okay, Harris, this might be the greatest promo of all time, and that includes Scott Scott Steiner and all these others. I don't know if there's a better one than that. I see why we are breaking this down in such detail. I see why you had me look these up. This is why I had to play it for everyone. Like, you have to hear it. Goodness. And if you haven't watched them, if you're listening to this, I would highly recommend going and watching these promos from both the February 28th and then March 6th episodes of Nitro in the year 2000. Because it, there's just, it's just amazing. I mean, this time, I'll just try and describe it a little bit. Hogan has two belts this time, uh, two of his weight belts, and, and he gives us just great words like strapation, great word. <laughs> we find out Jimmy Hart is a strap master. What I don't know. What call the ring? The four corners of the battle zone? Yeah, the, <laughs> the four corners of the battle zone, which is the ring. Um, I just love that Jimmy Hart's a strap master. Like, I don't know what that means, but he's he's a strap master. And I love this part killed me. When he says, I will call to the strap master Jimmy Hart at ringside and say, Jimmy Hart at ringside, give me Yappa by Indian punishment strap number one. Like, just the fact that he would say, Jimmy Hart at ringside, give me the strap. It's like... <laughs> it's, a lot my, of, it's a very traditional match, that's Mark. My you have favorite to follow certain line. protocols and say that's certain my, things That is my times. favorite line of the whole promo is, Jimmy Hart at ringside, give me Yappa by Indian punishment strap number one. Like, that was just great. Um, I think uh, my favorite part is near the end, he talks about how with... Uh, Yapapai Indian strap punishment number two, the yeah. heavier belt. Sure. He will transform into Hollywood Hogan. Yep. And then you will reach to the heavens and beg for mercy. Please, Hollywood, don't hurt me anymore. And I will not stop. Wait, wait. And that's how the promo ends. So presumably he's just going to beat Ric Flair to death <laughs> right. with these two straps. No, you missed the best part of that part because he says – I will transform from Hulk to Hollywood and will double strap him with both fists. Oh, <laughs> and that's Flair right. will scream to the heavens and I will not stop. Uh, so do with that what you will. Yep. Both fists. <laughs> both fists. Again, really we're going to go have more skin bubbling and falling off the body and, and uh-huh. pink, pink meat will be exposed. <laughs> uh <laughs> it's just a masterpiece of a promo, man. It is a work of art. Like, it is a work of art. The funny thing is, watching Hulk Hogan deliver it, if you didn't know anything about him, he could almost pass for Native American because he's so, like, burnt red. Yeah, he's so tan. That's a good Or point. maybe not pass for Native American, but, like, pass for a wrestling version of a Native sure. American, you know, where you're just <laughs> right. like, oh, you're brown, you can go for it. Right, right. Fair point. Oh, unfortunately, it doesn't get better than that, but uh, <laughs> how th- could it? Th- it can't. But but there's still some good stuff to get to because we got to get to the match. Now, this takes place at Uncensored in the year 2000. And uh, now right before the match was scheduled to go. Now, this is supposed to be the main event again, not for the title or anything. But this is going to be the main event because, you know, it's Flair Hogan. Right. Uh, well, right before Jeff Jarrett wrestled Sid Vicious for the WCW title which Sid Vicious was the champion at the time. Um, You you done uh, with that, whatever you're doing? Yep. Okay. Um, 
so, but in that match, Hulk Hogan gets involved and helps Sid Vicious win. Um, then Scott Steiner comes out and hits Hogan with a guitar. And <laughs> Hulk, Wait, Hogan, whose guitar was it? It was one of Jeff Jarrett's, I guess. And uh, Hogan then gets beat down by Jarrett, Steiner, and, and like a couple other, another tag team that was with him. I don't remember who what they were called. And he's just left lying there. So Flair now comes out for the match and attaches the strap to Hogan's wrist. The bell rings and he just starts to beat up Hogan, who's already laid out. <laughs> and now look, we've talked about a strap match before because we talked about one on the last episode I did two weeks ago when Kidman and Franchise had a strap match. Now the rules of a strap match is to drag your opponent to all four corners in a row, like in mm-hmm. succession. That's the way you win. WCW is the worst company in the world when it comes to strap matches because none of them follow the instructions. The only one that followed the instructions was the White Castle of Fear match with <laughs> with Sting and Vader, which we did an episode on that. That actually did follow the procedures of a strap match and was actually a really good match, um, despite all the other craziness involved. It was actually a, a good match. But there's a whole other strap match I want to get to that I was going to do for this episode, but then uh, there's too much other stuff and I'll get to that at some point, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it now. But anyway, so the match going on, uh, Jimmy Hart comes out with again, the same belt that flair took. And, uh, then Hogan had back and then flair took again. And then I guess Hogan now has it back. Um, mm-hmm. and Hogan also has like an, a copy of that same belt on him as well. So I don't know what this belt is supposed to be, if there's just like 12 of them or what, I don't know. I have no idea, but it's supposed to be significant, but it's, it's not. Um, so now Hogan is miraculously okay and starts fighting back. Well, he's hulking up brother, no, but he's not hulking, hulking up yet. He's just kind of okay. Now, uh, <laughs> the strap is obviously used a lot, uh, mostly choking and whipping the, the opponent. Hogan takes off his weight belt that he was wearing not even the one that Hart brought out for him, and starts whipping Flair with it. Of course, he also chokes Flair with with the belt. And um, Hogan Hogan hits his signature ten punches in the corner, mm-hmm. and then does it again, like immediately. So we're like, <laughs> oh, yay! Again, that's like twenty punches. It is. It it, it is closed fisted um, too. Illegal closed fisted uh, yeah, punches. Well, yeah, I don't know what the rules are in a strap match at this point, but that's fair. Normally illegal. Uh, he's also using like some Hollywood Hogan techniques, like he's biting Flair in the corner and like he hits him with like a low blow and and mm-hmm. and he's doing like the face wash with the boot and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he then pushes him onto the ground and punches him ten more times. And so we have like 30 punches almost in a row, which is just a whole lot of fun. Um, the whole time that this has been going on, like Flair's been begging for him to stop, you know, classic Flair. It's been, it's been great. You know, that, that part's fun, but, right. uh, Hogan then takes Flair outside of the ring and, and he gives the strap to Jimmy Hart who starts whipping Flair, just like a madman, just like, wah, 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 just going, he's going all out with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, I'm not sure, maybe Hogan's just giving his friend a chance at some revenge, or maybe Hogan was just tired and, and didn't want to do any more offense. Who knows at this point? Um, but just when it seems that Flair can't take any more, they're, they're out on the ramp, 
Luger comes out with a chair and just clocks Hogan in the skull with it. Like, it's a solid chair shot. Miss Elizabeth is out there, too, because she's with Luger at the time. Um, then So now Flair's back in charge, and he uses the strap to start dragging Hogan back to the ring, kind of bashes his head against the, the railings on the way. and But both guys are busted mm-hmm. open at this point. Flair's been bleeding out for mm-hmm. a little while, and Hogan's now busted open after the chair. Uh, the announcers are talking about how you can get over being busted open and get over taking chair shots to the head, those only last a day or so. But those welts from the strap will last weeks or months. So they're way more dangerous. Wow. And uh, <laughs> they're really trying to sell that strap. Uh, no one's buying it, but okay. As they're like run, now they're like on the outside again, and Flair's kind of dragging Hogan. A, a fan is yelling "Apple Pie" in the front row. I guess because it sounds like Yappa Pie, and so <laughs> there's a joke in a lot of the stuff I was reading about this match where people are calling it like Apple Pie as a joke. So that mm-hmm. made me laugh hearing that fan. That is pretty good. That. Yeah. Um, we're back in the ring. Jimmy Hart comes in to try and help Hogan. But he just gets clocked by Flair, just decked. And uh, Flair goes for uh, the corners, and he gets three of them. But then Hogan stops him for the before the last one by holding on to the bottom rope. And uh, Flair then pulls out some knuckles from his boot, some, uh, some, some knuckles there, and he just punches Hogan in the face, drops him. He then drops and covers Hogan. The ref counts... No. And Hogan kicks out at two. (laughs) Now remember, this is a four corners match. Yep. The only way to win is to drag your opponent to all four corners in a row. Yep. They have explicitly said this during the match. The the announcers, the ring announcer said that at, uh, at the beginning of the match. There are no pinfalls. And so uh, Hogan kicks out of this pin attempt, and Tony Schiavone says, oh, and he kicked out. Mark Madden then then very smartly says, kicked out of what? You can't pin a guy. And Tony Schiavone replies, yeah, but you can always kick out. Hogan kicks out. Kicks out of what? You can't pin a guy. Yeah, but you can always kick out. Okay, that's very true, because here's what I was about to say when you said that. If you're Hulk Hogan, one, he absolutely has a concussion at this point because he got racked on the head with a chair. But number two, you're just so used to kicking out at two that it's like purest instinct. I'm talking like in kayfabe. I know. Like he's so strong and he's so powerful and he can't be defeated. When somebody is pinning you and the ref is counting, you just kick. It sounds like there was a moment where he kicked out, and he was like, wait, why did I do that? Like, that's what I like to imagine happened. But why is He's like, I'm pretty counting? sure we're in a strap match, but he hit me in the head really hard. Maybe we're not. I don't know. I better kick out. Like, I <laughs> I could, I can get that. I could even get Flair maybe just instinctively going for a cover. But what is the ref counting for? That's the part that makes the least amount of sense with this whole uh, situation. But the best part is that is is Mark Mann and Tony Schiavone there? Mark Mann ca- calling out this blatant stupidity and <laughs> just saying, kicked out of what? You can't pin a guy. And Tony Schiavone just trying to save something 
and replying, yeah, but you can always kick out. Oh my gosh. It's the best part of the match. That is my favorite part is, is that line right there. Uh, so of course Hogan is kicked out of the pen. So of course, you know where that's leading. Hogan's hulking up crowds kind of getting loud. Uh, he boots flair and then drags him to three of the corners. But then Luger comes out again, immediately gets booted by Hogan. Hogan then leg, leg drops Flair and covers him. The ref <laughs> counts three and Hogan wins. After the bell rings, he clearly realizes he messed up. So then he touches the fourth corner. <laughs> now so That's many things, so many things are wrong. That's not even worse than if he had just gone with it. I know, not only did the ref count the pinfall that wasn't even legal in this match, Hogan yep. tries to salvage it by touching the fourth corner, but that's not even valid, because once the momentum of the other three was broken in the rules of the match, with Luger interfering there, you would have had to start over and do all four. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, WCW cannot do strap matches. And then Tony Schiavone's trying to salvage it by he's never saying about the pinfall. He he keeps just saying, Hogan touched all four corners. Hogan touched all four corners. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense. Oh, my gosh. Again, Kidman and Franchise screwed this up. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about that, where Kidman won the match with a pinfall. And then there's another one that's even more head-scratching that involves Hogan and WCW. But, again, I talked I, that's going to be a whole episode in and of itself. A little bit later on at some point. So I, I won't get into that now. But the point is, if a strap match is happening, they will not follow the rules at all. Um, although, you know, in the year 2000, WCW, no one really cared much about anything. So, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. But good grief. Uh, so that concludes our foray into some of the dumbest matches in, in WCW. And, uh, like, there's several more. And, and there were several more even that I had on the list, but, you know, I, I wasn't going to spend more time getting to those. But don't mm. worry, we, we definitely will get to some of those eventually. But, but yeah, the Yappapai Indian strap match definitely won for the ages. <laughs> Just for the promos alone, and then with the match ending in a pinfall. Uh, yeah. So, there, there, yeah, there was, you have it, folks. That's incredible. There you have it, folks. We had the uh, Dean Malenko-Billy Kidman catch-as-catch-can match where the only rule was to not leave the ring, and Dean Malenko immediately leaves the ring three minutes into the match to lose. <laughs> then we had the junkyard, hardcore, or the junkyard Hardcore Invitational in a parking lot full of junked cars with 15 wrestlers just literally killing themselves for real in the dark where you couldn't see anything, and then, and then for a trophy... That was te- that was terrible, and then, then of course the yap by Indian strap match, one for the ages, and uh, there there we go, there we go, there we go, we, that's that's the episode for this week. Um, Harris, any uh any thoughts, any final thoughts on um, on what we've talked about here today? Yeah, number one, it's incredible that the junkyard invitational was somehow the best match. It sounds like out of all three of these, maybe not the most entertaining, but like the one where they actually followed the rules that they <laughs> laid out and had a winner. Yeah, um, I guess from that standpoint, you'd number be right. two, 
Number two, though, this just gives me like a greater appreciation for the one or two great moments that Hulk Hogan had in WWE after the merger. Yeah. Because at this point, I never I, I don't think anybody thought Hulk Hogan was ever going to do anything that wasn't over the top and stupid ever again. And he delivered some genuinely incredible wrestling moments after yeah, this. The most yeah, notable, yeah. Of, of course, being the match with The Rock. Right. But just thinking about how bad it was at WCW there at the end where he wasn't even Hollywood Hogan anymore. He was just doing the same thing that everyone had been sick of six years before. And now it's the year 2000 and he's still trying to make it work. That's just that's absolutely incredible. It is. It truly is. Um. Anyway, that does it for this week, Behind the Gorilla. Hope you uh, had a good time here with us. You can follow us on Twitter at Behind underscore Gorilla. Get all the updates on all the episodes. I post all the links to everything. Um, obviously, just tweet a bunch of wrestling stuff out. And follow back wrestling fans as well, so definitely do that. Um, although I feel kind of bad. We can't really live tweet the NWA show we're going to on Sunday because it'll be way too early. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a tape. Right, mean, right. So, yeah, that's kind of disappointing. But we'll be, I mean, we, we've already bought the pay-per-view. We have plans to right, watch that, right. so we're definitely yeah. going to be live-tweeting that. Hard times. It's Friday night. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, definitely follow us on Twitter there. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Twitter at MarkyMarkBrand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So, do that as well. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Be nice uh, to get... It's always nice to get reviews and ratings on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Any uh, any final thoughts for signing off, Ferris? Just go watch that Hulk Hogan promo again. I was trying to think of yeah, something watch both clever, of them. and I can just I can just see like the quivering veins in his arms popping out of his biceps <laughs> as he rants about some Native American heritage. Just woof. Just play a clip from that again. Send us home with that. I'm done. Goodbye. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Go watch those promos from Hulk Hogan. February 28, 2000, Monday Nitro, and then March 6, 2000, Monday Nitro. All right. We're ending with that. Thanks a lot, everyone. We'll talk to you guys next week.